This podcast is brought to you by Hello Future. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, expand your patent portfolio, create amazing new profitable products and services, or effectively project manage to market? Then contact us today, hellofuture.co, and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups, and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Hey, Jake. How's it going? Good to see you again. You as well. Uh, glad to be on here, Chris. Um, so, uh, long-time listeners, watchers of the show uh, may have heard, I don't know, Jake, did, were you on, uh, maybe w- I wasn't doing video at the time when uh, we first talked, maybe I was just doing audio at that time, but uh, you've been on the show long, long time ago, and uh, I, I think at the time, was it? were you doing Content Allies at the time, or was it pre-Content Allies? I think it was pre-Content Allies, I think it would have been focusing on Lead Cookie at that point in time, so yeah, I think yeah. this would have been like three, four years ago, so. Yeah, yeah. But it was fascinating. So I'm on, I'm on your mailing list and I get your, your messages whenever it comes in. And just the other day you sent a, like a really short message and it's just like struck me as really cool because it was basically kind of outlining the way you, you do business. And I thought it was really interesting because it was very, it's kind of different from how a lot of other startup founders sort of reach for the stars, right? <laughs> so I, I'd love to hear your uh, your reasoning to and how you sort sort maybe tell us about your methodology, and then what what's the reasoning why you got to that why you got to that concept these concepts. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll kind of walk through it. I basically I published this article. Um, it's called my framework for starting a new business on my blog, and I. I literally started it out because I'm in the process um, of starting a new business with uh, my co-founders from Lee Cookie. We're spinning off kind of one of our like sub departments into what we think can be its own business. And um, I realized basically that like when I, that took me a really, like took me a long time of failures to have any success with my first company, Lead Cookie. Um, and I learned a ton on that one. And then I remember being like, cool, like I just built a, like a, a good company and then like, I'm going to go do it again. And then like, it took me like two and a half years to hit stride again with the second one. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, <laughs> it's going to be a better way, once, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> just because you do it once doesn't mean you're suddenly like an experienced entrepreneur. Like you'll still make a ton of mistakes. And there's so many things that I didn't realize attributed to my success the first time. Um, and so as I was going into it for this third time, I was like, okay, what, like, what are the things that I can tell worked well, both times I created a company that actually worked and been was successful. And that's kind of, I guess the genesis of, of how I got to creating this. Um, so I can, I can dive through if you want me to, but that's kind of the backstory of, I guess, why I decided yeah. to create this. Well, first. maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit about your first, so your first business was your, your first business wasn't lead cookie. Lead cookie is the one where we met, right. But there was, yeah. you, you had a string of businesses before that, right? That's true. Although I'd say before that they were all agency slash consulting. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was no scalability in any of my pri- previous businesses. So I had, uh, I mean, I had a successful like video agency, but it was just me and my partner hustling and yeah. working really hard yeah. and doing stuff. It's one so of those things it, where the work equals the money and you don't want to, you don't want to keep doing that. You want, you want something that's a little more, a little more passive, right? Yeah. So Lead Cookie and Content Allies were my first businesses that I created that were um, really businesses where I had teams, where I was able to step away, where I was. Um, able to really be like be a CEO and kind of build full entire teams and kind of productized offerings. And so that was, those were like the first, like, I guess, real companies that I was able to succeed at, I guess. Right. And lead cookie is still around, right? You're, it, so you're still, it, yeah, it's still around. It is a, uh, the Legion market is challenging one and LinkedIn is changing. Oh, tell stuff me about it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, emails changing. So it's one that's kind of, it's a business that it's done well, but it's kind of just plateaued. 
And we've known that. And so that's kind of hence the aiming to spin off a side product of that into a third business is kind of yeah. the plan right now. It's good, but it's not super scalable um, without doing very painful work that I don't want to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the lead gen market is it's easy to capture customers for it, but it's very difficult to actually generate leads, right? I mean, especially ones that are, that actually will follow through. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, you can, you can, you can pull together a giant funnel at the top, but then, you know, how many of these will drop out? Right. And I think that's part of the experience that we had when, when we were working together. Yeah. And it's just something that we, I mean, we've, even since we worked together, like we went just heavily up market and like higher quality in terms of lead cookie and everything, but it's still just a really hard business model because um, even if you do really well, like it's just people's markets kind of saturate and yep. it's, it's, a, it's a marketing channel. And yep. so people are like, cool, we'll go run this for a while and then we'll go put some money in ads and then we'll go to the, yep. it's like, it's just, there's inherently very high churn baked in, which makes it super hard to scale. Um, and like, I just looked around and I know all the players in the space and the ones that are scaling are just churning and burning and don't give a crap about their customers. And I don't yeah. want to be in that kind of business. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad when that kind of stuff happens. It's like, oh man, <laughs> I didn't do right by them. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that in the lead gen space. And so we just, we aim to be quality, but like, that just means we're kind of like plateaued and like, we turn a lot of people away and like. And so therefore it's just, it's not scalable, but it's, it's a cool business pays, pays yeah. bills and great for everybody. But that's, yeah. it, it was, the, and that, that was honestly a lot of part of the stuff that led into this framework too, mm -hmm. was that I was like, okay, these are all the things that I didn't see when I started my first company that became things that caused a plateau because the business model was fundamentally right. flawed. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of things that I looked back into here. So. Yeah. And especially, I mean, with lead cookie, I mean, I don't know if you want to describe it at all, but I think it was, it was really focused on that single channel of lead gen, right? Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it was LinkedIn and it was like high touch. And it, I mean, it was a lot of really good things about it, but again, it's like when, when uh, you were tied to that one platform, if they make changes, you know, you're kind of SOL, right? Cause well, you know, if they, if they make a change that can, that eliminates your entire business model, what do you do then? Right. Yep. That was literally one of the questions. I So one of the questions I incorporate is like external risks. And it's just like, are there any major third party players who could cripple this business dramatically or impact our ability to succeed? And that's really prevalent in any sort of tech company these days. So like there's yeah. so many great businesses, but it's like, ah, okay, Salesforce could cripple us overnight or like, <laughs> you know, like this could happen. And so like there, there's so many things. And I think that that's a really big thing to consider because I started Lee Cookie being like, well, LinkedIn could change things or the platform could mm -hmm. change. I was like, bah, I'll figure that out down the line. Like it's yeah. working. And then when like two years down the line, I'm just like, and the two years down the line, I'm like, oh my God, like everything I built is going to be crumbled overnight. And yeah. And and we got just, there's just obliterated at a few points, not obliterated, but like it hurt really bad and like heavy operational issues and just stuff like that. Cause like they change and that's the, there's a yeah. lot of businesses that are just really risky in that sense. So yeah. Well, if you think about it, a lot of these businesses are kind of like Jenga towers, right? You're like, you're, you're, you're on the top of this Jenga tower and that, you know, all these things could change underneath. I mean, you have certain things that are solid, like AWS is solid because you've got all these businesses running on it. And when it goes down, you know, there's a lot of things happen to fix that. But then mm -hmm. when you start layering up, going up the pyramid or up, up the stack, then you end up creating businesses that are on top of all these different, all this, these stacks. And if anything changes below, it could crumble everything. So you have to create something that's really resilient that can jump from, from place to place. Otherwise, you know, when you, when your underlying foundation disappears or changes, then you have to, you have to do a lot of work to change that. And, you, and it's, it's difficult to do. Yeah. And it's uh, exactly. And that's, I mean, we're one of the things where I think the, when you're looking around like tech stacks and tools like that, it's like, those can be great things. But I think um, one of the other questions that I've started incorporating is this like Ray Dalio question from principles where he's like, if I started this business five to 10 years ago, would I be happy with that decision today? Mm. And then if I make this decision today, do I think I'll be happy five to 10 years? And just like extrapolating that forces you to kind of um, a look at like, okay, like, do I think I would have happy doing this like five to 10 years ago? And, and a part of the thing is like, okay, well probably like, like Lee cookie may have, it probably would have been okay five to 10 years ago, but then also I look where the industry's going and stuff like that. And, it kind of forces you, I guess, to like look at the platform and what do you kind of predict and what do you think is going to happen? 
And it's like, are we going to be more or less relevant in that time? And so like with content allies and podcasting, I'm like, cool. Like podcasting is hot right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's getting a bunch of like buzz and that's really cool. We're riding a wave, but it's also never going to go away. Like there is no fundamental singular platform, you know, cause yep. it's on like spot, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple, it's on Google, it's on Stitcher. And there's no like one person that can disrupt this whole thing. And if I look at podcasting, I'm like, okay, it's going to be like blogging. Like yep. it's going to mature. There will be, it'll become more saturated. It'll get harder to get results, but like, it's always going to be there. And that, oh, yeah. like, for me, was like a really big thing with like content allies the second time around of being like, podcasting a content basically being a podcast agency was like this is something i believe is sustainable long term like 10 20 years down the line this is still going to be a great business yeah yeah well if you think about it you you have websites and then you have blogs and then you have podcasts and podcasts were actually i mean they were they started in 2005 and mm -hmm. there was a there was a in, there was a huge sort of upsurge of podcasts just before youtube became super popular so what ended up happening is that I mean, I remember being in the podcast world in 2005 and, and we were all, oh, this is great. This is going to change the world. And, and it sort of did for a little bit, but then video just came in and crushed us. So podcasting <laughs> had this little blip and then we were crushed and a lot of people just left, right? They disappeared out of podcasting world because they figured, okay, I'm going to do video or I'm going to do something else. And then it started coming back, right? For a while there, it was, it was just really like, it was totally overshadowed by video. So if, you're, if your business model was podcasting and a company I was working with at the time, that was their whole business model. Their whole business model was audio podcasting and they got crushed when, it, when, when YouTube crushed them, right? But if they were to be started today, or actually it's still, it's a little too late to start a new podcast hosting company because there's so much out there that works really well. But if they started like five or 10 years ago, then that would be a very different model today. But you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I thought podcasting was gone for good. So I mean, I stopped doing it. A lot of people I knew stopped doing it. And then it started roaring back. And it's like, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. You, you can yeah. never really predict what's going to happen. That's true. And it's always like, but I, I think the thing is to try to like really look at things and just think like, okay, like podcasting, like conversations between people, like listening to like a radio format. It's like radio has been around for so long. Like it yep. will, there will, there are things are going to come and go and popularity and like clubhouse will be cool. And like webinars will be cool. But like, ultimately, like those are all like very mature types of mediums that yep. will come and go in popularity. But I think that that's um, a thing to just look around is like, where is it just like, mature or you can like draw a parallel with like another tech that is similar that has like gone through a maturity wave like that and just kind of look at that as a as a frame so yeah yeah well i mean podcasting is an interesting thing because i also think that uh, a lot of these platforms kind of used user-generated content to sort of draw people in and then they drew in a bunch of a bunch of head content at the same time to crush them again. So it seems like there's a cycle where uh, it's kind of like what happened with Apple Podcasts. It's like all these podcasters who had a podcast going, "Oh, this is great!" So they started bringing in all these gr all these great um, sort of tail type content, you know, just the regular Joes who are doing things, and they were all hoping for fame. And then they said, "Okay, now we're bringing in Disney, and now we're bringing in," <laughs> and it's like, "Oh my God, everyone's gonna listen to the Mandalorian podcast and not mine, right?" <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a weird thing, but it's like what I, I think, though, I don't know, the way that we're looking at podcasting, at least in B2B, and one of the reasons I think it's going to be so pop, like relevant is I, I do think the there's a lot of enchantment, a lot of buzz around and people thinking like, but like the, the frame that I'm going to build an audience with my podcast is like, just one way to look at it. And I think the yeah. other biggest value is just like the networking and the relationships that it builds. And so like, that's one of our big kind of pushes with the angle on podcasting is like, you know, even if you only have like 50 listeners an episode or something, like if those are your niche targeted listeners, like that's like 50, like standing on a stage in front of a small, like group yep. of your ideal customers. Yep. And then also like just the fact that like, whenever you have that platform, like you can reach out to anybody like, mm -hmm. and just, it's like, oh, cool. Like I want to go, that company looks interesting. Like I want to, I want to interview them, hear their backstory. You interview them and like, yeah, meet them and like you become friends with them, make some introductions. Next thing you know, you guys are like maybe doing business or referring people. Like it's just, it's such a powerful networking tool while creating like super niche content at the same time. And I think like those niches are where it really uh, the opportunity I think will always be within podcasting. Yeah, yeah, 
but it's interesting you should say that because uh so I, i've i've been doing a different a lot of different lead generation tactics since we last talked and since we worked together on lead cookie and the one thing that really brings in people and and you can talk to them about is hey would you be would you like to be interviewed on my show it doesn't matter who you are <laughs> It's like, yeah. I got CEOs, I got, you know, uh, award-winning writers and they're like, oh, it's like, so like, Hey, would you like to come on the podcast? And they're like, absolutely. You know, they'll completely ignore every other email you send, but when you want to come on the show, oh yeah, yeah, this is great. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is <laughs> so true. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Like it's, you, and you can reach out totally cold and get yeses from oh, yeah. like very high level people that would otherwise never respond, but it's like, you're giving them value. Exactly. And it's great. You know, and after that, you can probably send them an email about something else and they'll actually respond because you just chatted with them for an hour on the call. So I know it's great. I love it. <laughs> so right now this window is open. So you know, use it as much as you can, but we're, we're totally digressing from the topic, but I love this. Um, so yeah, why don't you go into your framework? Because I, like I said, as an innovation guy, you know, I looked at, I look at this and I go, yes, you're, I mean, you're right. It bothers me that you're right, but you're, you're right. So that's that's the thing that that bugs me because I I'm always into like let's let's build something new let's build something different let's build something that you know you've never seen before and and that's where I feel innovation comes from but I think when it comes to there's this disconnect between successful business and innovation because innovation and successful businesses a lot of times they're not the same thing so mm -hmm. um, maybe you could go into your framework a bit or or at least comment on what it just said. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of bullet points on this. I'll try to hit on some of the key ones. But one of the big things I look at again, obviously, is just like growing markets. I look at, you know, the the kegger for the market and just like, is this going to be a growing space? Like, what's the trend? And then once I'm within there, what I tend to do is I'll kind of be like ideating around some ideas. Um, and but my biggest thing I think that like you're kind of alluding to is that like I am no longer trying to come up with ideas from mm -hmm. scratch. And yeah, uh, I think that, that that's the, that's the number one thing that struck me when I read that is that don't do, don't do something new, do yeah. something someone else has done, but just do it better or do it in a yeah. different way. But yeah, maybe you can go into a little more detail on that. Yeah. So like when I started lead cookie, cause like, so I'll like, I'll kind of have an idea of something and then like, I'll kind of, or I'll find a company. I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. That's interesting. Like that's different. And, um, and so with lead cookie and then with content allies and now with this new company I'm started, each time I've started this, I like looked and I was like, found some company in the space. Where I was like, whoa, holy crap. Like they got like 50 employees. Like, and that's mm -hmm. like kind of what I'm thinking about doing. And then I look around and I try to find other people and I'm like, okay, like there's some scrappy people in this space. So I'm like, you know, some small little people trying to do stuff, but I can tell like they're not really pro, but some other people are kind of onto the idea and like maybe getting some business. But like, there'll just be like one person out there. I'm like, okay, this is like pro entrepreneur, like knows what they're doing they just built like a 50 person team in a matter of like two years. Mm -hmm. And I'll, and that, so I saw that when I did lead cookie. Um, and so I was like, cool, like that's validation. And then like, so that's when I kind of like jumped into that space and then content allies. Um, I actually saw this company years ago and saw them getting started. And then like the company that just crushed it in the space, um, I watched and they like grew again massively over the span of two years. So I actually saw this company's growth trajectory, which was when I was like, mm. all right, we're going into podcasting. I've seen what these guys are doing and I know exactly what they're doing. So I'm going to emulate that. And then even this third time around, I saw, I found another one where it was just like, okay, cool. Like I see what these guys are doing. Like, this is not crazy, but like they, I don't see anybody else doing what they're doing. And like they, in the span of two years, just scaled up to like 45 team members. Wow. And so like, that is like, kind of like that is, that is, I think been one of the biggest what I hope proves to be right on this third time around. <laughs> uh, I, I believe like it's, it's something I noticed that like worked with content allies and it worked with lead cookie. And so I'm hoping it works again on this third one, but that has been one of the, I think the, the biggest things where I'm like, Oh, I've got something here because what I, but I don't think I realized in why the second one failed so horribly for like two years until I finally got content allies rocking as a podcast agency, because we did tons of other stuff. Yeah. our content allies for two years, trying to find what we were doing. Um, and what I didn't realize is I was riding a wave. And like, that was a really big thing that led to lead cookie growing so fast as I was mm -hmm. on the, the LinkedIn outbound wave. Right. And I was at the very front tail end of that. And so like, when you see another company that grows really quick like that, and there's not much competition, it's like, Hey, there's a potential wave right here. 
And if I can like get on the front end of that, I can like ride that wave. And as long as I then think, and I don't have any external risks, like I did last time, if I get on that wave, then like, I've got a great business at the end. Uh, mm -hmm. If I don't think through it and I do what I do with lead cookie, then I've got like all the flaws and stuff. So we actually, we, for example, I actually built uh, one of our early iterations uh, that actually worked well for content knowledge was we were doing LinkedIn content as a service mm -hmm. and uh, it grew, went started doing really well, but I was like, this has the exact same flaw. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was like, I could have scaled the hell out of that and it was going great. And, but I was like, no, I'm just going to kill this before I get too far down this yeah. path. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of a big example around it is like, what is, where's the wave? Where do I see someone succeeding? And then um, like, how do I make sure that there's no fundamental flaws? So once I get to the top of that wave, I'm happy with that wave that I just rode. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the big, big issue with content creation I find is that it, it's the same thing happens over and over again. It's like a new platform comes out, uh, a bunch of people jump on it and a few actually survive and then they change the algorithm and a few, the few cut, get through and the rest are gone. And then it happens again and again and again. And it happens, mm -hmm. it happens with almost every platform I've ever seen. And and so how do you, I mean, if you're going to be doing a content play, I mean, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that going to be the same thing that happens every time you do a content play? Like you said, if you do like LinkedIn publishing came out, right. There was a period of time in LinkedIn publishing where my blog posts were getting, you know, 10,000, 20,000 views. And then they changed the algorithm and I was like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, and it happens to, on every platform. It's like, how do you, how do you go around that? Do you just, Say you know uh, whatever I'll just hit the next one and like you're saying maybe is it is it jumping the wave or how do you deal with that when when the platform that you're working on and doing this really well on all of a sudden just blows up? Yeah, I think that that's why um, I initially killed that like LinkedIn content as a business model, and now it's like podcasting is the business model, and we do social content to promote podcasts, but like that's the add-on, that's not the core. Yeah. And thus, like, and like what I just tell people is I'm like, guys, I'm not interested in writing like the hottest new, like little social media promotion trend and like hack every week. Mm -hmm. Like we're in this for long-term sustainable content. And, um, cause I just don't want to be around that. I've got some friends that are in that space of like social media content agencies. And it's just like, God, like you're just, you're just, your week is every, like every week it's like, God, oh, new update, got to change the processes. Like, <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to be in that. So it, that's for me, that was an intentional thing to like not build around the, you know, those completely unstable platforms and stuff like that, yeah. which you it's know, a constant churn. You have like to, that. it's almost like, um, you know, doing antivirus software because they're always changing and then you got to mm -hmm. always change to conform to them. It's like, where do you get to that point? And I think you're right with podcasting. It's like, it's, there's so many platforms out there that it's really stable now. It's really stable mm -hmm. now. And we've gotten to the point where, where we are with most of these things is that the podcast itself is not creating the podcast and doing a reasonably professional podcast is not the problem. It's now getting the word out about the podcast. Yep. <laughs> so how do you, how do you do that? I mean, what's your, do you have a strategy on on, on marketing these things once they're out or does it matter? Cause you're doing niche content. Yeah. So we, we do, we do kind of all the marketing. So we do repurpose and take each entire episode we do, we repurpose that into quote blocks, into videos, into social media content and everything. Um, so we do a ton of promotion around that as well. We'll also create, you know, we're one of the areas we're building out right now is like around YouTube SEO and repurposing episodes and the short highlights where each highlight is like optimized for specific keywords. So there is um, a bunch of stuff that we're consistently building out there. But again, I'm also, I'm looking at what are the promotion channels that are around for the long term. It's like, okay, YouTube is mature. It's growing like, okay, this it makes sense like to cut up a podcast episode into small highlights and then optimize each one like that makes sense and will always make sense. That's like long tail keywords, like blog posts or something on yep. the site. So um, but like in terms of like, oh, square photos are working better than like rectangular photos right now. I'm like, that, I don't, I don't play that like uh, <laughs> game and I don't intend to play that game. Um, it's like, cool. Like you put out good content, you use the general best practices, but like, I don't focus on like, we, we just put out good content. And I think for most of our clients in B2B, like, I think all that stuff matters heavily, especially if you're in B2C, but um, where you need like maximum reach. But if you're in B2B, it's like, 
I don't think if your content square or rectangle, if it's going to make that big of a difference and like ultimately the impact, it's like, if your content is resonating with the right people, like that's that, and it has the right message, like that's what works in B2B because you have just such a small audience that's typically seeing it of like people that you're even trying to get in front of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell, tell me a little bit about, about finding, like you find these businesses that are, they're doing success, doing successful. What's your process for finding them and then emulating them or enhancing them. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll share, like, I, I guess it's kind of like a typically stems from, I guess, from my side, because I guess I'm in like the service businesses space. So it's typically stemming from like some level of skills or capabilities that myself or my team has. Yeah. Um, and so for example, uh, this most recent company that, um, we're attempting to start, uh, and this is like, we literally, at the time of recording this, Chris, we launched this on Tuesday and oh, we're wow. like having our first sales calls. <laughs> we're having our first sales calls. So like I, this may or may not be actually validated. We're in the validation phase. Um, but basically the, the general kind of, uh, frame was that at lead cookie, one of the things we did to do really good quality was we got really good at researching, um, leads and making sure that every person we contacted was the right person because we knew LinkedIn was going to throttle back connection requests and the amount you could send. So we were like, we need to up the quality so that there's no like, you know, 20% margin of error, which is like what most lead companies do. And it's like, everybody we send is a qualified prospect. Right. So we have a really great research department. So I was like, okay, let's spin this off into like a research company that basically researches like really great sales data um, and everything for organizations. So we're basically doing, you know, CRM build outs. Um, for we actually go in like do hand qualified research and not like really crappy zoom info stuff, uh, that is, uh, <laughs> things like that, that are out there That's or, good. uh, and then also we're doing kind of like scraping job boards. So we kind of like had this, I guess, but I guess going back to your question is like, we had the frame of, we have a research team that we can do really good research, really low cost. And it's very systematized. How do we apply that in like a valuable and scalable way? And then we started looking around at companies that were uh, doing research, offering like kind of research uh, services and trying to just find people that were modeling and having success. And we kind of just like stumbled on one essentially. And that's kind of, I guess, where it began. But it typically starts from some frame of like, this is the thing with content allies. It was like, all right, I want to be in content marketing but I don't know exactly where. And then eventually it was like, okay, cool. Podcasting is like my thing. I like podcasting. So we'll niche down there. So it almost starts from like some level of competence, I guess. Right. Right. <clears throat> now, the, but isn't this a little more difficult to sell though? Cause I know other companies that have pivoted from going to, from lead generation and marketing to, to research. Is it more difficult to sell something like research as opposed to, Hey, we're going to bring you some leads or, Hey, we're going to create some content for you. Is it, is that uh is that going to be more difficult sell? I think it's a different buyer persona. Um, you're basically, because you're going toward people with sales teams who want really good data for their sales teams um, versus people that want to outsource lead generation and SDR work. Um, right. And so I think those are two very different buyer personas. And I think there's a large, so I think so many people have been burned by lead gen agencies that they're realizing we need to hire salespeople internally. Um, and it just, as you go up, like, you know, lead cookie, we, we just, we never went, too far up market because once you go far enough up market to a bigger company, they're, you know, they build SDR teams in house. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's more, I think it's a different buyer persona than who our, our current market is right now. Right. And so, so let, can you tell me a little bit about your company or is it still st in a stealth mode right now? No, I'm totally, I'm open to sharing it. Uh, okay. like a, I'll, I won't go too specific. You seem like you're holding but... your cards a little close to your chest. I'm like, is he going to tell me? Is he, is he going to no, tell no, us about it's, the company? So it's, it's custom data.ai uh, is the, the new company we are aiming, we are starting. Okay. And um, like I said, our two kind of core offerings we're testing out is basically CRM build outs. So um, if you want to basically come to us and you've got a sales team and you want like the universe of your accounts researched and it's not like, you know, just go buy some random list, but it's like, you know, we, we can do like subjective data. So for example, we've got a, a client in the um, uh, gas compression industry. And so it's like super niche and it's like, you can't mm. just go search gas compression companies because you get all sorts of really weird random stuff. So you have to kind of like hand check every website or we've got another client in like the uh, commercial real estate, but they only work with industrial. They don't work with like uh, condominium complexes. So like every lead. Right has to be checked to make sure it's the right type of 
um, site and then building those companies and then building the individual decision makers. So mm -hmm. that's one facet of it. And then the other one we're testing out is basically where we go and scrape job boards. Mm -hmm. um, this is mainly targeted towards services companies where we scrape job boards for particular skill sets, then enrich with the companies and the decision makers to basically kind of show intent data for people that are hiring. And we also kind of scrape the internet for RFPs and things like that to basically look for opportunities that are relevant to that particular person to basically find people with kind of sales intent information. So that's interesting. That second one could actually be a business unto itself, really, if you mm -hmm. just, it's easy to communicate that. That's, that's what we're trying. That's the one I'm, I'm more <laughs> excited about, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. They're kind of experimenting with them at the moment and seeing what, mm -hmm. what gets the most traction, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, have you ever thought of doing something completely different? Like, and you're always, you seem to be always be in this like sales marketing space. Have you thought about, have you ever come across like an idea, which is like, wow, this is really different from what I'm doing now, but you want to stick to your, stick to your current skill set, stick to your skill set, right? I mean, a typical entrepreneur yeah. would want to do that. I think I'm, I'm definitely interested. Um, I, so last year I actually attempted a variety of businesses. Um, I got kind of stuck. Uh, it was weird. I, I basically, I was traveling when COVID hit and my wife and I were like separate for like five months because I got stuck in Canada. Oh, yikes. Uh, when all the lockdowns <laughs> happened. So oh, I just no, worked man. a ton. And actually I tried to start some other businesses at that point. Um, and my, my kind of frame at that point was like, how do I pair with other entrepreneurs? Um, Cause that's where I think I, there's a lot of opportunity where if I can take my sales and marketing and apply it to another entrepreneur. Uh, but I do think that that, you know, like I need someone like outside of my space who is really aware, conscious of an industry, knows the nuances, but then basically I attempted a few of those. Those didn't work out. Um, for a number of reasons, uh, one, some of which I kind of stepped away from because I was like, this is not the right thing for me. Other times you got the other person that bails. So business partnerships, I think are hard, but I think that that's oh, yeah. when you're like a really into like the sales and marketing, I think there's a great opportunity if you can find the person not in sales and marketing and then go like innovate with them. But I do think it takes like, you need the right working dynamic, which is a, a, a hard thing to find. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell us, is there any more uh, bullet points on your framework that uh, yeah. you'd like to cover? So I think the, that's kind of like the, a lot of the ways I'm thinking through it. And I kind of have some other things like a whole kind of framework that I like go through and just like making sure it's recurring and stuff like that. But basically once I've got my idea, then I basically, I go into like super rapid validation where I like I put up a Squarespace site within a week and then I start running cold outbound immediately. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to trying to sell people in my network and the cold outbound is really important because I think that if you can get someone to like buy your, your new idea cold, that's not a friend or like a past colleague or somebody like that is saying a heck of a lot about your value proposition and the fact that it resonates with people. Right. Um, and so that is like something that I'm always looking for is like, okay, like it's, can we get cold outbound converting? Cause then it's also a great way to test out your messaging and stuff like that as well. Um, so that's before you've actually about. created anything. This is just a yeah. concept stage, right? Yeah. Okay. Basically at this point, I've just got a website with an offer. Um, and I have zero, I may have like an outline of like, okay, we have the idea of like, this is how ops will work, but we've done zero work to like put any operations in place. Yeah. Um, and so thus the next phase we call like the MVP, the hustle ops phase uh, is what I call it, which is basically like, oh, crap, we just sold some people. All right. Now let's oh, we have to build to this it. thing. <laughs> yeah. So like typically it's just about like two weeks of chaos. And I'll typically if like they're the first customers, I let them know like, hey, like and I almost always do like launch discounts or something like 20 percent off for the first five people for life. Um, and it's just like, hey, we might, you know, things will be a little scrappy, might be a little slow or like, you know, we won't build them right away or something. But um, there where I'll just kind of try to stand up operations, get things going and just get something basically moving and going and just start getting the work, working out the kinks. Um, and then after that, it's kind of like continuing to sell. But then it comes to this question of like, did I really validate it? Mm -hmm. And this was like, I think one of the big challenges with Content Allies where um, we tried a bunch of value propositions that kind of worked and like we sold people and like they retained and, you know, there was somewhere it was like the LinkedIn offer, but another one we had that like this thing, con this converted so well with outbound, this idea of like, we had, the, I went on this for like a year and a half, this idea of thought leadership content where it's like, 
we're going to interview you and create thought leadership content and like to kind of help you promote you and stuff. So like, we'll interview you and your leadership team. You yep. just show up for calls and we'll create content. And like, everybody loves that. Oh yeah. And yeah. it converted so well with outbound, but it was operational hell. Uh, <laughs> and like, it was just like revision nightmare. You got I all bet. these like really smart people and like everything just gets stuck in like, um, freaking like, uh, like never gets published. And then like yep. people like yep. don't show up for their interviews. And it's yep. like, it was just riddled with like problems. Yeah. And so that's where it comes but back that, to that, did that's really model. Well. I've seen that model in a few places where it's just like, we'll sit down with you. We'll interview you. We'll, we'll gather a bunch of data. Then we'll create a crap load of content based on what you said. But I mean, it's really compelling for the business, but I mean, it's a lot of work on your end. So you got to charge a ton. And a lot of these businesses are like, I, I, I can't afford that. Yeah, it's like they, even if they could afford it, it's just like, there's just, it was just like, it was just, it, it ultimately like it kind of works. And like, I've seen like a couple companies that do decent with it, but it just, the whole thing just felt like pushing a boulder up a hill. Oh man. And that's kind of what it felt like running that. And then like at some point where I'm just like, God, like this shouldn't be this hard. And that's where I was just like, no, man, like I got to try something different. And uh, we started kind of branching out, trying some different things. Podcasting started working well. We kind of did that as like, an additional offer for six months. And then we like, eventually we're just like, boom, niche down, focus on this. So it's, I think that's the other weird thing is like, sometimes I think that's the hardest thing is like when you get some traction, but yeah. it's just like, it's not great traction. <laughs> and that's like, that, that becomes like hard to like, it's like know when do you do. know, when do you know it's great traction? I mean, I love that statement. I love that statement. When you say it's, it's shouldn't be this hard. Like as soon as you say that to yourself, you realize you may, you maybe you've made a wrong turn, right? Mm -hmm. Or you validated, or something something occurred, something changed that that's making you think. Well, maybe this is not as viable as I thought it was, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that that was that definitely. Yeah, I think that's those are kind of the big pieces of it. And essentially, when it's not validated, then it's kind of like going back to square one and trying, yeah. <laughs> trying over again. And so, and that's the that's I think the thing that I learned the second time with Content Allies was like it just took a few loops around that to really, to really finally hit something that hit stride. So, yeah. But is that, is that, isn't where you niching then basically you just niched into podcasting and B2B podcasting. Cause I mean, when you first started content allies, it was like a lot of content like for anybody. Right. Cause I think that's one of the things you first mentioned to me is that you're, you have a really focused uh, product set, right. You're, you're providing this specific thing. I mean, isn't that what ended up happening with content allies too? So this is, is that a success point as well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would say so. I think content analysis has definitely hit that now where like podcasting is like the thing. So it's kind of like a level of niching, but it's also like, I feel like there's niching and then like unniching to try more stuff. Right. And then like niching back down. And like, yeah. that, I feel like we went through that phase a few times where it's like, what is the niche and like, what is the value prop um, and stuff like that. So it, it, it's, I think is sometimes you just kind of have to go. And it, it was, so like we went like the generalist content agency for like six months just so we could try stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was super hard to sell, uh, generalist content marketing. Um, yeah. but it, we were able to sell like a few individual things and then that kind of eventually spun, spun into the podcasting. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit of kind of like niching, but also just kind of like figuring out what it is you want to do. And, and it's really chaotic when you're in the thing where you're like, I got this people in this old offer that are kind of paying the bills, but like, I don't want to keep doing this thing. And right try this other stuff. So it's, it's, it's wonky. So, <laughs> so what is the, one of the things I admire about you is that you keep spinning up new businesses, right. And, and I, I always wonder what's your time frame. I mean, you seem a little impatient to me. Like it's gotta be like, it's gotta be up and running and make X amount of money by this point. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to try something else. I mean, what's your time frame typically for, to look at something and go, yes, this is, this is something I want to move forward to, with, or this is something I want to abandon. I think it's changing as I go along um, with content allies. It was, I don't know. It was, like I said, it took me like two years or so with this one. Like normally I, I do try to move fast. Like one of my strengths finders is I'm an activator and I like to just yep. like dive in on stuff like right away. Yep. Um, but I'm trying to go a little slower on this data one. Like I guess it, content allies was like, I had built lead cookie to where it not didn't run without me. And then so like content allies just became my focus while I built that with this data company, I'm actually more of a business coach. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically I've got my two founders from Lee cookie who are kind of the daily operations and like running this. And I'm more like the business coach helping on the marketing and kind of promotion side of stuff. So, um, I'm probably, I'm going to be a little bit more patient on this one, I think, because like, <laughs> 
I normally I would just like get in there and like hustle and build stuff. But I think also, I think you get more patient whenever um, like you've hit some level of like, you know, really good comfort and business success where you're like, I don't need to grind anymore. So I think I used to be in like the more scarcity grind phase. And now that you're out of there, I think you get a little more patient with everything. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's not a specific time frame. You don't say, okay, if this thing doesn't crack in six months or in two in a year or whatever, I'm going to try something else. You, you're always, you, yeah. it's, it's definitely flexible, right? Depends on what, what gets traction. Definitely flexible. But I think when you're running, say like outbound tests or something like that, or you're trying to sell an offer, like if you go a few months and you actually do some good work on an offer and you go, couple months and like no one's biting or it's just like not working. I think like, I think you kind of know when that comes, you know, typically I think that comes after a couple months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I think some of the things I started up last year and I killed, they probably had about a, a three month lifespan. And then I just looked at it and was like, this is not working or the partner relationships not working or something like that. So I think normally after about three months or so you can, I feel like that's like the, the go or kill it kind of phase. So, right. Right. <laughs> oh, there's something. So when you talk about cold outbound, is it, is it email or I, I'm assuming it's email, right? So what do you, uh, we do like, can you tell me a little bit about the so. process a bit? So you come you've created this research, this new research company, completely new uh, user base or completely new set of leads that you're going to need to generate because it's not the same as what you were doing before. How, mm-hmm. how do you do it? So you put the website up, you do the cold outbound or you do some, a lot of research to figure out who's who in, within the company should be, you should be targeting. And then you just do cold outbound LinkedIn. Yep. That's essentially it. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are doing like crazy outbound stuff with like funky subject lines and all these kind of crazy <laughs> things to get attention. But it's like, our like the goal with it is like, like outbound works. If your value proposition is amazing. Like, it, yeah. that, like that's the thing I know from like running an outbound agency is like, if you've got a great value proposition, like you don't need any fancy tricks. Like it just works. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like, um, that's kind of the goal with that is like the value proposition is just so good that someone sees this and they're like, Oh, cool. Like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like let's try that. And so that is, um, what I really look for within that is like very straightforward outbound. Um, sometimes I've tried the like, Hey, try and starting something new, try to get feedback, but I find you get a bunch of responses there. Um, but I don't find that to be super valuable. Like I find it almost more useful to just like act like the company is like mature and legit yeah, and just start reaching out <laughs> and trying to like sell people and see you're what embellishing. Kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah you, but it's, I, I think it, uh, I don't know. I think that that gives you real world response. Cause if someone engages, you're like, wow. Okay. Like this person who does not know anything about me just saw like our website, our webpage and like our message and it resonated. And like, I think that's a really cool thing to, to be able to tell. And like, if you, cause if you get something like that, that works, like, um, that's what, what, that's what actually really excited me about that whole thought leadership offer was like, wow, like I have outbound as like a predictable channel from day one. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing to have. Cause a lot of companies never get outbound working cause their value prop just isn't, isn't strong enough or doesn't really resonate that way. So, yeah. But it seems to me that that particular concept might have some more legs if you operationalized it differently. Is that, do you think, you think that would be the case or it's still, it's still a bear no matter what you do? Uh, can you, can you explain that question again? No, I mean the, the, you're talking about the out, outbound talking to people, like interviewing somebody and mm-hmm. pulling together a piece of content and then just sp- ah, yeah. spreading it. Like it's easy to get people to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just difficult to actually build out the content afterwards. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely, I think has some legs. Like there are people that have done it. Um, but I think the other thing that always comes back down to is like, is it the business I want to be in? Right. And, um, you know, there's some cool people that have done the space, but like super, super resource, like team heavy, like it's crazy. Like, I'm just like, wow. Like, and like very much like lots of creative on the team. And so like there, it's definitely possible, but I think some of the other things that like the question with this whole thing is like, is it the business I want to be in? Like lead gen, there's some, there are some great lead gen companies out there that are doing pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, but I just look at them and I'm like, that is not the space I want to be in. I've got friends and I like talk to them and I'm just like, they're just hustling and grinding, but like, that's the business they've committed to. So, yeah. um, sometimes it's just like, do I want to be in that? And it's just like, no. And, and that's, I think some of this is also like, is the business the right fit for the founder is the, the other question too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I noticed that a lot of the businesses you started have a, have a have a lot of human element. So there's like human creation, human outbound, human this, human that. I noticed you 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 used AI. AI. Are you planning to bring in some AI, or is this just a uh, just a cool thing? Or that's at some point down the line. Uh, yes, there's some level of this that it just pains me that everyone in the world uses AI these days. And I was like, eh, why not? Um, it is at the moment going to be primarily human based. There will be um, will be will be building some tech to kind of scrape and eventually kind of like build on that. It probably won't be super deep AI at any level, yeah. but I don't know. It's I guess it's kind of buzzy. Maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> You're calling me out on it, Chris. But uh, uh, it, it, at the end of the day, like what I've kind of come, ultimately come to realize is like um, again, I'm like I am a services kind of guy like that's what mm-hmm. I really know how to do is ramp up and scale up teams of people and like software and tech is just uh I haven't dove in that route and I look at I've got I'm like in masterminds I've got friends that are there and I'm just like that looks like a huge learning curve that I would just mm-hmm. spend years screwing up in and I'm like pretty <laughs> happy and doing well over here in services so I'm just gonna like hang out in like the the services space because it's like I I can do great without going into a, a deep you know, five-year-long painful learning process of how to build yeah. tech. So, <laughs> and then if you build, and if you build a tech, it still might not work, right? Or not do what you want it to. So, I think yeah. I like I like your model. Um, so the the um, the piece where you have people people in the background, I love I love the concept because it's kind of like what Aardvark did. I don't know if you've heard of Aardvark, but it was like a Q and A service that they created. And the the very first thing that they did is they said, "Oh, this is computer generated. We're match you with somebody who can answer your question." But really, it was just a bunch of guys in the back, you know, answering the questions for you. So there's this, there's, you know, that you put up the fake facade to try and make people think it's a real business and then sort of fake it till you make it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, but that, is that kind of what you're thinking of when you're saying the, you know, put up the website and then scramble at the back end? Oh uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I think that that's definitely how I build every business. It's just like you, you put on the, the polished front, but the back end it can be just like really scrappy. And then eventually over time you build out a really strong, solid back end and everything. But um, I, that's, I, I would say almost all my businesses, they look really nice from the front end and on the back end, it's like, all right, how do we do this? And then like, you, <laughs> you got to have that it, validation first. I mean, I think you're right. I think it's key because mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs, they're like, oh, I'm going to build this, or I'm going to build this, or this is the idea I have. And they don't validate. They just spend a lot of money and time building this thing, especially on the tech side. And they put it out there and then they have to advertise it. And then they realize, you know, there is no market for this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. no, that's, that's, and that's what I love about services is it's so just like you can, that's the fortunate thing about services companies is like, you can just go sell and like, yeah, and like, and it's just as long as like your confidence, like at the end of the day, like if I got to grind through the weekend to get this first sale across the door, like I can do all this stuff myself. Yep. I don't want to, but I will do the first one myself yeah. <laughs> and then I'll document how I did it all. And then I'll train someone immediately have someone in the wings right there. I also, whenever I start a new company, we almost just basically always hire um, an offshore VA like immediately yep. and just have someone there to just do everything that we can just toss stuff at. And that's, that's a great like idea. A, I think a lot a of entrepreneurs, they just figure that they have to do everything themselves and <laughs> that's not necessarily so. Yeah. Find yeah. someone in like Philippines, pay them 400 $500 a month and yep. like it's so inexpensive and you can just basically have someone right there that just like okay, cool. Like I need this, like start doing this. And then like, it's yep. just like, and it's, you can ra- ramp stuff up so quickly with that. And just like you do it, loom video, train them, start building some processes and documentation. And like, and what's really cool is then like, it's amazing. Like these people can grow into like ops people and just like run so much stuff. Like it's incredible. So I'm love it. Huge fan love of it. offshore. Talent. I think most people, are, a lot of entrepreneurs don't even think that way. They just figure, Oh, they're going to steal my IP and they're going to take the idea or whatever, but it's not, that's not the case. Uh, I've got a, I've got a friend who has just broken every assumption I have about offshore teams. He runs a live chat company. They're doing some, I think like 150, 160 K MRR. He's the wow. only U S person, not a single, nice. every hundred percent in the Philippines. Just blows I love it. my mind. And it's just, <laughs> wow. Like, I'm like, like, like recently, like he just hired a sales guy in the Philippines. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Like you've done, like you've sent everything, like and like his sales, his customer success, his onboarding account managers. I'm just like, wow, like, damn, man, like that is awesome. Yeah, he has just broken every. Like I used to be like, no, 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 like sales, you can't, no, 
definitely not account managers like onboarding no no no. that's got to be stateside yeah. yeah and he just continues to like break all of my assumptions and like <laughs> he's got an amazing business amazing retention super happy customers and like that is like seeing him do this has just made me realize like you don't always need onshore people and a lot of times like you can go offshore and just find amazing yeah. quality talent yeah so. yeah okay one more one more question before we go into the futures piece but um <clears throat> Um, the only downside I would think of for, for putting up these websites and then scrambling afterwards is that, are you just hitting the low hanging fruit? I mean, if you want to do something more complicated, you you can't do something like that. Right. Cause you're going to piss people off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's um, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, to, I don't know, like it, it depends. I mean, like I'd say like, even like our podcast agency is like a decently, complex offering we're doing like multiple episodes and we're doing like content repurposing and so it is like it's not just like you know a few hundred dollar a month offer it's you know like we're charging anywhere from like you know three to ten grand a month for podcasting right now and and so it is a complex offer but i think it just comes down to like putting it all there and then knowing that you're going to be able to deliver on it um and it was hard to deliver like the first few of those we sold and everything but um it wasn't impossible and, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I mean, I, it probably, it definitely, I don't think it, like, if you're trying to build some like SaaS product or tech product, um, that is going to like be the central of somebody's system. I think that's a little harder. I think this works really well for any sort of like productization of a service or something like that. Um, but I, I right. think you can definitely do some very complex buys with this still. So, yeah. But as long as you have the system like the humans in, in, in the back who can jump into it and do it instead of having to write a bunch of code. So if you promise all this stuff on the website and capture the lead and then, and then say, well, now we got to build all this code. It's like, unless you, if you can emulate it by using people or just applying people, mm -hmm. then that's fine. Otherwise it, it, there's certain things you can do and certain things you can't do. So I, I can see, I can see your point there. So yeah, and I'll, I'll share one more example on that is like, mm -hmm. even like this data company we're building, it's like, I envision this having been like really wrapped in like a really nice software looking um, like SaaS, you know, where we're delivering the leads in this portal and everything like that. But it's like, okay, we're going to start with an Airtable database like that. Yeah. And, like, you know, and it's just like, you just start like, it's just MVP in it, you know? So like, yeah. uh, it's just, how do you like make it stupid simple at the beginning? And it may not look as cool, but it still delivers the core value. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. This is great. So now it's time to think like a futurist. I only have a couple of minutes left, but where are you going to be in 10 years? Um, in 10 years, I would hope to be at a point where I have just set myself up to really never have to work again. Um, mm -hmm. and honestly, I think at that, honestly, I think this comes from like holding, you know, content allies and one to two other companies, um, that I've built again, I think being in the agency services space, you get less multiples. So I'll think I'll be in kind of a build and hold for a long period of time. And uh, ideally, just making tons of really fun um, electronic music with all of my free time, which is kind nice. of what I do now. You should and... do something in that space. See, you yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's not a lot of money in that niche, but. Uh... <laughs> That's the problem with music. Music is awesome, but like nobody wants to pay for it. It's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, that's my vision, man. Just like, I, I think for me, like, I don't have the desire to change the world. It's like, I want to build great sustainable companies, like collaborate with people and be in a spot where like, and I'm getting there now. And I think it's just sustaining this where like, I don't have to work. I get to work because I want to work on stuff. And yeah. the work I do is because I think it's fun and enjoyable and balancing that within a phenomenal quality life. Like that's what I'm striving toward. And I'm, starting to achieve pieces of that now. And if I can sustain that for 10 years, I think I'll be pretty darn happy. So I love it. I love it. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I love, I love going here, through this stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later.